Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Welcome back, you friggin' buttes, to the Curious Podcast. My name is Josh Peck, and I'm your host, and your name is Listener, and that's what you do. You listen. I don't want to talk about the fucking quarantine, man, because everyone is talking about and living in the quarantine. Because it is, like, literally the most crazy shit that has happened to us as a people for a millennia, not a millennia, but for a generation. I mean, listen. I don't think any of you will be surprised to know that I have a lot of 70 plus year old friends. Granted, the main one is my mom and it's her friends, but nevertheless, and they've seen some shit. The assassination of JFK, Martin Luther King Jr., you know, Bobby Kennedy, 9-11, Gulf War One, Gulf War Two, Bosnia, fucking Vietnam, some of them, Korea, a few of them, World War Two. Granted, they were like four. But it was a moment and they can say unequivocally that this is the most crazy shit that has ever happened. So that's some context, no? I mean, that is pretty revelatory if you really think about it. Because these people, they're not octogenarians, but they've been around a couple rides around the block. They're telling us that this is really capital C crazy. So I try to remember that. Feels like we're all done with it, though, no? I mean, people are ready to go out and live. Got these crazy fucking protesters going to their city halls and, you know, yeah, I, I suppose using their God-given right to assemble, or at least what it says in the Bill of Rights in the Constitution. Is it the Bill of Rights? No. It's just, it's one of the, it's, well, it's one of the amendments, right? First Amendment, second, third, they, they go in order. You know, what can I say? At the end of the day, and this is my thoughts and my thoughts only, and I don't expect to be an authority, but I'm listening to these guys, Elon Musk, using their audience and their, 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 their power, which is massive, to sort of impart their feelings. And I think it can be slightly, uh, you know, dangerous if they're not properly vetted. Um, so here I am, a less, a much less powerful person, imploring you all to listen to my, um, you know, my thoughts. But here it goes. You you already turned on the podcast, so here it goes. I think it's virtuous what we did. I think it's the right thing to do, because the reality is, 
that people like me who are 33 and many other people who are in good health and younger, not that it's not afflicting or it's uh, not that it's not affecting young people because we know that it can and will, but the majority, it's affecting immunocompromised people and people who are older. Um, the majority of people who are dying are 70 plus. But nevertheless, every society, every religion, every culture has revered their, their elders, the seniors. These are the people. And while it's easy to say, listen, I understand that, that, that we want our older people to live, but like my business is going under. And so, you know, maybe if uh, grandma and grandpa don't get to live as long as they thought, they still had a great life. I don't know if this is the argument. I think people like me and the rest of us took a hit for the older people, for people who are immunocompromised, and for the medical community so that a doctor, God forbid, is never put in the position where they ask to say, this person just was in a terrible car accident and needs immediate surgery, and this person has COVID-19, and I have to decide who I'm going to operate on. That shit is fucked up. We're asking doctors to play God then, right? And you better hope that, that their checklist, you know, that you you check the marks and you're the one who's going to get picked. Fuck. Can you imagine me, Josh Peck? I get in a car accident. I'm badly hurt. And they bring me into the hospital. And the doctor, like, watched Drake and Josh. And he's like, look, this kid was 300 pounds at 16. His heart's going to give out in 10 years anyway. Let him go. Put him on a morphine drip and ease him out. <laughs> Let's help this person with COVID. It's like, you know, I mean... So in that respect, I can totally honor what we've done. And I think it's important. And I, I'm in a privileged position because I can survive this time. And I realize that there are a lot of people that the last two months is infringing on their ability in which to make ends meet for their family. And, and I, I think that is probably the worst position to be put in. And so I can't, I, I can't completely understand the nuances of this thing. And I think that, you know, when people attempt to be an authority or speak cavalierly about this, it's because they're not understanding the nuance. So I, I, I will refrain from making one broad sort of opinion on the thing, but just me as a person who's trying to navigate this thing as we all are, it feels like we had to take the hit. And that the, you know, that the scales are quickly turning and, and if we go too much longer, the, the benefits will outweigh sort of the negative effects of this thing. And uh, hopefully we get back in gear uh, sooner than later into whatever our new normal is and people can begin to sort of repair their life and get back to work and whatnot and, and we can be spared of unnecessary deaths. But this was just a fucked up hand. It really was. And it's, uh, it's very, it's, uh, you know, it's very equalizing. I had Stamos on the podcast a few weeks ago and he's like, listen, what I'm going through is different than what other people are going through. Cause I'm, you know, I have some financial security. I have a different experience. And, and while I can echo that and understand that that's right, inevitably we're, we're all sort of victim to this thing in the sense that, you know, it's. You can't imbue your will on this thing. You can't just walk up and say, fuck it all. Because even if you start your business back up, if the rest of the world is shut down, it's going to be hard to benefit. Um, because we are, we're all part of this like weird 
multi-level, multi-channeled organism. And I think it's easy to become divisive or to politicize our beliefs and feel like if I'm in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, I couldn't have a thing in common with that guy in Idaho, nor could, you know, the the family in Kentucky feel like they had anything, you know, to do or, or in common with, uh, you know, that person that lives in the Castro district in San Francisco. But the reality is, is just as Americans, we're all connected. We're not on an island. We can't, I never know this phrase. You can't cut your nose off to spite your face. Ah, it's a dumb, who thought of this saying? It's like two in the hands, one better than one in the bush. Ah, two birds of a feather flock together. I don't, I'm not good with phrases and sayings, but you know what I'm saying here? It's like, the, you know, for better or for worse, there has to be some level of cohesion. There's a cohesiveness to this whole thing. And I don't know. I just don't want to balk from my social media, from Twitter, and tell people the way in which they should live their lives. And I want to believe that even the people that I think are incredibly different than me on a fundamental level, unless they're evil or like, you know, bananas, that if they're like good people, good family people, hardworking people, while we might not share the same spiritual or religious beliefs that or political views, inevitably we can find some common ground on the humanity, which seems universal. So it's revealing in that way. And I think me as an actor or someone with a public stage, and I'm doing it now, but not really, I'm not necessarily taking a stand here. If anything, I'm trying to like say, hey guys, let's all work together. But I think that's sort of like where people in my position have, have gone awry over the last few years. I mean, until, you know, actors, creatives, and let's just stay specific to artists. Until we had these platforms in which to like, you know, project our opinions to the entire world on any given day at any sort of, at, at the drop of a hat, our, our you know, our, even our, our smallest sort of thought. Until we had that, right, our only delivery option for the things in which we felt was our art. So we couldn't just stand on a, on a gigantic virtual stage and bloviate every thought that went across our mind, right? You had to write a song. You had to write a film or a movie or a book or a, or, or, or a screenplay. You had, to, you had to make a piece of art. And as we all know, this is the business that we're in. This is what we do. You know, it's never going to be as compelling when we speak like this from the microphone. Maybe slightly, you know, maybe it'll be at best 50% as effective as someone who's really talented at making movies, having certain insight and figuring out a way to take the things that they've learned and the things that they would love to sort of deliver to an audience and putting it in an artistic form. And even then, it will be better received because it doesn't feel like sort of a direct missile to the face. It's just a more beautifully dressed up message. And I don't know. I feel like that's slightly lost. People are quick to get to Twitter than to pick up a pen and say like, how can I weave this thought into a story that I want to tell? And so that people don't feel hit over the head with this, but that they can sort of come to it on their own with me setting up the guide rails. Whoa. 
Did you hear how I just phrased that? That's good. I'm not the most concise speaker at times, and I have a hard time sometimes thinking about words and how in which to line them up together to sort of uh, to, to sort of fulfill what I mean. But that was good. That had a point. I think that was good. I, there's no going back now. I'm not re-recording this intro, so let's get to it. <laughs> On today's podcast, Ben Soffer, the, the man... He's a new friend. He's a great friend. He is the genius behind Boy Would No Job, the Instagram handle, the meme account. He's a social media dynamo. He's incredibly funny and smart. His wonderful wife, girl with no job, Claudia, she's genius. And the two of them, they are quite the power couple. And uh, I, I like Ben so much. And it felt like in this time, he was the perfect person to talk to. So I think this is a great interview. Hope you guys enjoy it. Here's Ben. I am officially recording. Benjamin, you? Yes, I am officially recording. I'm here. And are your AirPods in? They're in. They're very in. Oh my God. Look at us. Look at fucking us. Just clearing my throat quickly. There's a, there's a bit of a tickle. Listen, the people love a tickle. (sighs) It's gone. It's gone. Do the people love a tickle? They like reality, right? We, they want real life from podcasts. Yeah, the, the problem is is that my real life consists of uh, a lot of Claritin and Zyrtec. I think that I, I have some kind of a deep allergy problem. And all the time I'm just... <laughs> and like you can hear me coming. Like I'd be a horrific, horrific murderer. Like I'd just be like around the corner just like waiting to pounce on you, but you just like hear me clearing my throat due to the pollen. Is that just a Jew thing? The, the allergies? Cause I don't, I don't know a single Jew that is free from allergies. It is. It is. We were blessed with so many things, but we were also cursed with about everything related to the body from digestion to allergies. I think that celiac disease was invented by Jews. Would you say that that's true? I, I could definitely, I, I can corroborate your line of thinking and, you know, we do all the, the Hebrew people suffer from stomach issues, but you know where all the body issues come from, Ben? Where? We're fucking inbreds. Is that true? Yeah, dude. It's an Ashkenazi trait, like bad eyes, <laughs> like poor health in some areas, a little bit of depression and bipolar, because I'm pretty sure that like our great, great, greats were so clannish that, you know, they were in their, their small villages in, in stripping Austria fucking stripping. Wow. That is yes. just how, how much Yiddish do the, uh, what, what do we call the shoe, shoe of pod podsters? What do you call your, sure. your podcast people? Podsters? Podsters seem strange. I don't know why you call them podsters. <laughs> I've got sort of one encompassing name for my fandom, and, and it's called the Wolf Pack. The, the Wolf Pack. Oh, that's lovely. Lovely. <laughs> Thank is, you. Is it a small wolf peck? Is the peck? It's, a, it's peck? an ever-growing. An ever-growing. Ever it's just like the, the wolf peck's peck. But yes, inbreds. Ashkenazi Jews. We're really spreading rumors here. We're like a minute in, we're already talking about how Jews are inbreds. I don't. I don't know. Like I don't have webbed toes. That's true. I, I have the just the right amount of toes. On you know to add. Yeah, I've I've perfect amount of toes. So you're in the heart of New York City right now. Yes. What's New York like in in all this fucking pandy insanity? It's disgusting. Um, Is it? Yeah. I mean, you you know this from from following me on Instagram. I am an an avid 
hater of the mayor, Bill de Blasio. And uh, (laughs) you hate him. Yeah, Bill Bill the criminal, as we call him. Yeah, of course I hate him. He's a motherfucker and a stupid bitch. And he's never responded to one of my DMs. Do you know how many fucking times I've tagged the mayor's office in Instagram stories? Over 100. Never once opened them. I'm sure he's seen them, though. He is just, the, the city's disgusting. There's trash everywhere. The rats, the rats have taken over New York City. You, I think the, you might know this fact. It's a pretty disgusting fact. Rats outnumber humans three to one in New York. Did you know that? I didn't know that, but I don't find that hard to believe at all. In fact, I would imagine that whether we had a good mayor or not. Of course. No, but they're small creatures. No, he's the, the rats are not his problem. The, the quarantine, the, the rats are, are coming out because of the quarantine. They think that the humans have left. So it's just their city to right. be taken. It's like, this is our time. Like this is in the history books, the time when the rats seized control of Manhattan. That's what they think that this is when in reality- we're going to come back up and fuck shit up again. Well, it, I used to, as a kid, walk around, like, you know, downtown New York City and near, like, Grand Street or Canal Street. And if you were walking at, like, you know, 11, 12 o'clock at night doing, you know, wonderful hood rat things, the way in which my friends used to do, of course, um, you would have to clap when you'd walk down certain streets that were pretty quiet Otherwise, the rats wouldn't know you were coming and possibly would like run over your feet, which was terrifying. Holy shit. That is my worst nightmare. (laughs) Just like walking around and rats just scurrying over your feet. Wow. You know, in L.A., in Santa Monica, that the coyotes have come down to like the third street promenade, which is sort of like the the mecca of shopping and coffee shops and trendy eateries and no place for a coyote, but there's just no one there. Good. Honestly, everyone in LA, you guys have no idea what quarantine is like. I have friends. I see them like, Oh yeah, we're driving to Malibu today. Uh, we're going to go and like hang out. Like we're social distancing on the beach, like beachfront. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm sitting here in my apartment crying every night, listening to Cuomo, praying, praying, that I make it to tomorrow. And you guys are on fucking vacation. I hope that the coyotes come and eat everybody in LA. Well, I mean, listen, I don't know if they could eat the the bigger people, but definitely <laughs> some toddlers up to like a third grader. What? Oh, that's what yeah, what's it? So are you, obviously we're all pretty much stuck in our dwelling, but you're right. Like being in LA, like I'll go for drives. I can go for a nice run, which I guess you can too. But God, being in New York during a pandemic just seems utterly uh, just painful. It's it's crazy. So I walk uh, Theo, my furry son, four times a day. So I do get out for those walks. And honestly, when you see people running, it's like, what are you doing? Like, we get it. Like, we understand. You're physically fit. You're trying to stay at peak physicalness. You're trying to stay nice and and strong, but you know, it's just scary out there. Like there's a, like a random runner. There are no cabs. There's no buses. Think about Manhattan, no cabs, no buses, no cops, just empty silence. It's like like Batman. Is Central Park closed? Oh no, it's open. It's open. People, all the, uh, the fields are all closed, but you can walk the paths. Which we do. Mm. It's it's honestly quite lovely. Um, yeah, nature's return to the park as well. You'll see a couple of ducks, 
couple of ducks in the park. It's lovely. Jeez. What are like the rich, like, and not that you aren't rich, but like, what are the ultra fancies doing? They've escaped to like their Hamptons homes, right? Yeah. Us poor people need to stay put. Um, <laughs> yeah. If that's what you were implying. Uh, yeah. Look, I got my stimulus check. You don't have to remind Did me. Did you? No. How poor do you think no, I am? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you're doing very we're I, look, the, the, the last people that need stimuluses are us. Give yes, it to the people no, who need it. No, the people the people that need the stimulus check should have them. Did you hear about that whole thing that Fashion Nova was advertising for people to spend their stimulus checks on Fashion Nova? Oh, that's fucking evil. Yeah. Except if they want to give me a brand deal, in which case I, I understand they made a tough call. Yeah, they made a tough call. Like, I look great in a bra. <laughs> I'll wear a Fashion Nova bra. Like, we can just, like... That's nuts. Yeah. That's that's borderline evil. Yeah, it's terrible. They got in a, a ton of trouble for it. A ton of trouble. Um, but yeah, everybody's fled to the Hamptons or fled to uh, their their summer home of choosing. We, we actually live in a building uh, that has... I'd say that most of its occupants have left, except for us. So really, it's just, you talk about social distancing. There's no, nobody lives in the building but us. It's us and the doorman, which is spooky but lovely. Yeah, it, it's quite a specific time. And I don't, you know, it, I'm not, and I talked about this with, I don't want to throw his name around, but John Stamos, my very close mm, good friend. I understand. <laughs> I, you know, I chatted with him about this on the pod. Um, the other week and it was something to the extent of like while i feel like i'm nervous about how it's going to what it's going to take to sort of come out of this i'm also utterly optimistic because i don't really feel like i have another option do you have friends that are doing this which is this fucking fatalistic like fear fucking mentality of like we're not getting out of here till next summer of course 2021 i can't stand this idiots they're morons what is it? it it's 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 terrible but then also not to get too political we have a president that says that we're gonna be playing football next week so there certainly is some kind of middle ground um but yeah it's the the friends that are doomsday it's terrible it won't get back to normal for three years i have those people yes it's nuts I just, you know, I have certain friends that are like, I won't be leaving the house until there's a vaccine. And I said, so next spring? Like, that seems a fate worse than getting it. That's pretty crazy. Honestly, you couldn't pay me to take a coronavirus vaccine right now. It, they inject a little, it's like the flu, I would assume, where they inject a little bit of flu in you so that your body can prevent the flu. I'm not volunteering to have any coronavirus in me at this time maybe down the road sure but right now keep that thing away from me if they could ensure that it wasn't some sort of mind control drug i would do it because i'm a big vaccine guy the beauty of vaccines the idea of it is is that you get it and your body in the universe or nature's brilliant wisdom creates an entire map on how to kill this little amount of virus so that if it ever comes into your body again, it's like it's like a wanted photo in the post office. Or like, keep an eye out for this fuck because mm -hmm. he's dangerous. And then your body is protected. I do want to clarify that I, am, I, I may have seemed like I was opposed to vaccines. I am very pro-vaccination. I can see it already. 
Ben Boy with No Job is, is an anti-vaxxer. And that is not me. I love vaccines. I love them. I was just saying it's a little nerve-wracking with uh, whatever this is. What is this? We don't even know. You know what? We don't know. And I could propagate a bunch of rumors that I've definitely, some of them sound actually like they're sort of rooted in some reality more so than others. But I, what I'll tell you is, and this is my admission on this podcast, and I'm not afraid to say it. And if I'm going to do it, Ben, I, I'm going to do it with you. Mm-hmm. I, I think I had the Roni and I think I had it bad. Everybody thinks that they had it. I tweeted this the other day, except I tweeted about women. So I'm happy that you are openly considering yourself a woman. But only all women think that they've had it when they haven't had it. It's the number one thing that I find. I don't think you've had it. You'd know if you had it. Oh, I had it. You think so? (laughs) I love you. I I do. Yeah, I think, look, this was early March when we didn't know the significance of it. We didn't. This was still when the CDC was like, we don't even have tests yet. So if you think that you have it, just stay home. Like it wasn't to the point where they've sort of turned the corner at the end of March, early April, where they were like, get tested. It's really important. It drives the data. We got to know. So I got hit with it. And this was like right before the quarantine. And I just felt like I never felt in my life. First of all, I don't get fevers. I'm a fucking grown man. Save fevers for fucking <laughs> two-year-olds. You know? That's a great line. A fever. Uh, grown men don't <laughs> but, get fevers is a great line. <laughs> you can have that one. But like, I was, I, I felt feverish, took my temperature, borderline like a hundred like a light hundred and then i woke up the next day and i felt like i had instant pneumonia oh man which i've never felt before and it for one week it really hurt to take a deep breath and i just yeah and my wife was just sick like a few days before me so i imagined that i had gotten it from her so at that point it's me and my wife and we're just together so it was like i wasn't going to quarantine myself from him from my son and from my wife and so i just was like all right well and we all you know i i toughed it out but it was i gotta tell you and maybe it was my mind you know making it much worse because i have a propensity for that again judaism oh absolutely we're nuts but i it was a weird, it felt like I had a weird bug that I'd never felt because there was also a level of nausea, mm. which was like, and mm. you know me, I don't, I'm not one of these people. I've never been one of these people who forgets to eat, mm-hmm. but I was, I was not eating. That's pretty that crazy. That's a, you are, right, Ben, you don't strike me as a guy who forgets to eat either. No, no, no. I've never forgotten a meal in my life. Truly. Actually, we'll get to intermittent fasting later, but with intermittent fasting, I have to tell you, I've been less hungry. But before, I don't want to jump around too much. Now that I know that you probably have had coronavirus, I have to let you know that I don't think I'm ever going to see you again. (laughs) And the reason being, uh, I'm assuming that you're a Curb Your Enthusiasm fan. No? Big. So you know the episode where Larry has the cancer scare and they make a cancer pact? Sure. That is how I'm living my life with coronavirus. Look, I have a lot of friends, a lot of people that I love. If you get coronavirus, it's been a really great being your friend. It's fine, but that's it. Right. It's just, it's just it. safer for all of us. Like maybe just like the, the people that think that they've had coronavirus, you, it's just like a, 
sort of Australia, New Zealand type of situation. Like us healthy people stay on the island and then those that were infected, it's sort of just, it is what it is. Yeah, like pygmies, like that weird island in Hawaii. Yeah, it, it'll be you and Tom. Or not pygmies, lepers, lepers. I don't know. I don't even know what a pygmy is. <laughs> Neither do I. I was just. I wasn't going to call you out. Like I don't. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I was like, wow, lepers. What a genius. What a genius. Do you know what a leper is? Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, do, do you not think that I read the Bible like all day, every day? I'm a big Bible. Is guy. it in the Bible? Of course. Of course. Lepers. Yeah. It's like a plague. We're, Unless I'm thinking of something uh, else. I think it's a, I, I'm pretty sure it's a skin eating disease. Yes, yes. There are lepers all over, specifically the Old Testament. The New Testament I can't account for because, you know, they're being made up and stuff. But uh, It's not really our book. No, it's not my book. And to all of the people that are listening that just heard me say that the New Testament was made up, I was 100% kidding. Except for no, uh, you weren't. Except, ben, you weren't. Except for no, I wasn't kidding. Look, there's only one book. There's only one book. It doesn't make any sense. There's one book. People read the book now, and they had an interpretation, so they made another book. But there's only one book, and that's that. All right, you're a better Jew than I am, and you went to Jewish school for all twelve years of your life. So I, I want to better understand this. Are they saying that God dictated the Old Testament to Moses? Yes. And he wrote it. Yes. He was his scribe. Yes. So we know that's, that didn't happen, right? <laughs> Here, here's the deal. It's very, it's very tough for me. It's tough because as a spiritual man, I want to believe that all of it happened. I think that all of it did happen. It is, it is a far-fetched thing for me to comprehend that uh, God dictated it to Moses and it was written down. What would make more sense is if, Moses was just like a, a dope writer and like he wrote down things and like his predecessor wrote down things. And there's just like the coolest book ever aggregated by a bunch of Jewish gangsters. I think that's right. Right. That makes more sense. And like, of course, there's like divine intervention and feeling. But yes, the, the full dictation, I can't necessarily get behind that one. I think that's kind of all it is, because otherwise, I mean, of all the major religions, they're kind of all alike. I, I got to tell you, it's because they've all read the Old Testament. You think they're plagiarizing Judaism? Just say it, Ben. It's. Yes. Yes. OK. <laughs> yes. Oh, look, we didn't get the name the chosen people by not being the chosen people. That's all I'm trying to say. I've always theorized, uh, yeah, the whole chosen thing, I mean, who knows, but I've always theorized this, was that the Old Testament is pretty harsh. Oh, yeah. It's it's very black and white. It's like eye for an eye. There's really, there's not much talk of heaven, if I'm wrong, um, right? There's, there's, there's some, some chatter. There's some chatter. You'd have to, you'd have to dig Some deep. scuttlebutt? Yeah, there's a bit. It's, uh. There's a subreddit about heaven in the Old Testament. Yes, there, there is. There's a, there's some chatter on the side. Some chowder on the side. Um, there's, yeah, there's, there's a bit of chatter. Um. <laughs> you, you said chatter a lot. I, 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 did, I just right? think, I think the New Testament is was sort of created in an effort to be like, listen, life sucks for most of us. 
right? Like, you know, if you're not born into nobility or with a crazy skill or into a family who like has a wonderful blacksmithing business, or I don't know what was in fashion back then, you're probably going to be some version of a peasant or a slave or have an incredibly tough life for most of your life. And the New Testament brought into into light this idea of like, work hard in this life for it to pay off later. And then you will have this wonderful sort of bounty awaiting you. If only you have a good life in the present and also to incentivize the people to not act too crazy because they're like, hey, what do we have to lose? We're not going anywhere anyway. And life sucks. So I don't know. I think it was sort of born out of an idea to give people hope. This whole heaven, hell, Jesus, forgiveness. I mean, these are sort of things that are more specific to the New Testament. Well, we now know that you're going to convert. So it's been fun <laughs> having you as a part of the religion. <laughs> but first COVID-19, and now your devout love for the New Testament has officially ousted you. Um, no, I, I totally agree. The one thing that I can't ever really wrap my head around is the whole, if you kill someone and you say sorry, it's okay. Mm. It doesn't seem like the yeah. level of judgment. I agree with you. It's so much more lighthearted, loving. But then on the other side, it's a little too loving when it comes to uh, crimes and just apologizing. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes a well-said my bad can get you pretty far. Yeah, I guess so. My bad. My bad. Hey, your dad owns a kosher um, catering service? Yes, it's called Chef's Table. So you grew up fully and I'm like, I'm a Jew in the way, I don't know, I would imagine, you know, Larry David's a Jew, you know, culturally, but not religiously. You seem pretty steeped in the religion. I'm very steeped. I will say that his kosher, his catering business wasn't always kosher. So when I grew up, I grew up not kosher until like the age of, of 10. I went to public school in the city. Shout out to PS6. And, uh... My dad was a regular caterer. Then when we started to really get deeper into the religion uh, and I went to Jewish day school, it was tough to go to Jewish day school. And, oh, what does your dad do? Oh, you know, he serves pork chops to the Knicks. No, he cooks a roast chicken for the rabbis. And the story evolved. And that is how we landed where we are. Steeped in Judaism and deep in the kosher catering world. What instigated the turn into Judaism for your family? Summer camp, I believe. Did you ever, did you go to summer camp? Did actors and actresses go to summer camp? I wasn't always an actor, Ben. You, you weren't? I was once a civilian. You were. Did you go to camp as a awful. civilian? I did. I, I went to, I, which it's more an invention of just East Coast kids, Jewish or not, the whole idea of like sleepaway camp. But I, yeah, I went to sleepaway camp for two years in Connecticut. Got it. So when I started going to a Jewish sleepaway camp, that is when we just, we went full in. Why? Because you came home like with the fire? It was probably me. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, daddy, you know, I, I love the rabbi. I love the faith. We need more of it. And then all of a sudden I shaped, I don't, I don't really know. I think that that is literally just how it happened. It's like, I came home. I'm like, wow. Jews rule. And then Jews ruled. That was it. And what, 
what's it? What's it? I, I don't know why, but I'm fascinated. So when you go to a Jewish day school, like for your high school time, first of all, are you being six foot two? Were you instantly varsity of every sport? Because I imagine the competition's not crazy. Uh, yeah, you're for, you're forgetting that I've been morbidly obese most of my life. So stop uh, it, then. <laughs> you you have a little bit of a belly at best. That was great. You know, I've always. I've always been such a great shooter. Basketball was really, it was always my sport, but you know, they just couldn't ever look past the gut. They'd say, you know, Ben, you just, you can't run too fast. You can't keep up with defenders. And uh, so, yeah, if there was a varsity football team, maybe I could have played O-line, but as you know, Jews don't really play uh, high school football. It's, it's a very much basketball religion. Our religion. Why is that? I don't. I think that it's because we can compete at some level. We can't mm. compete at some level across the board in everything. We can do it in in golf. We can probably in basketball, baseball. I, you think we can swim? Are we good swimmers? You know, it's it, it, you, we. You need to be long, long torso, long legs, and I think we're we're pretty stout people. Like I think you might be the tallest Jew in existence. Yeah, I might be one of. And Jason Siegel, you and Jason Siegel. He's yeah, he's he's pretty tall. He's he's tall. I'd love to. That's a good body. You know, that's like the a nice dad bod. That's a that's a good Jewish body, Jason Siegel. We're good boxers. Who's a who's a Jewish boxer? Barney Ross, um, Yuri Foreman. Interesting. I had no idea. We just had some technical difficulties to the people because listen, this is a responsible quarantine podcast. We're we're recording from three thousand miles away because we care about the audience of the Curious Podcast. We are, and honestly, I think that the we were talking so much about God. I think that he intentionally had. Uh, these technical difficulties go on because the second the technical difficulties started, my stomach dropped and I ran right to the bathroom. It was like so divine intervention because what am I supposed to do? This isn't my podcast. I'm just, I'm just going to say to you, Josh, I'm so sorry. You know, can we pause? I have to go take a shit. Like, no, it just happened. And as they say, Baruch Hashem, thank God. I have to repeat what was said off mic, which was I called Ben back about five minutes after we figured out the difficulty and, and Ben said, you know, listen, this was actually perfect timing because I I need to make number two. And, and I said, okay, well, should I call you back? And he took a moment and then said, yeah, you don't want to be here for this. Yeah, I, Look, especially with <laughs> AirPods in, you hear every plop. Like it's just, it's a surround sound situation that is just, it's for the late night show, the late night show. You can. We got to make that. Actually, no, nobody needs to see that. So let's talk about <laughs> the media empire. Not that I don't love hearing about your your BMs, but <laughs> what? What? Let's talk about the media empire that is you and your wife as girl with no job and boy with no job. Yes. What would you like to know? But yeah, quick plug at boy with no job on Instagram. I mean, if you're not following it already, then you're a loser. Yeah, what are you doing with your life? Well, wh where was it born out of? Because I love the story of sort of how you and and Claudia started dating, and then this was sort of born out of just something that that she randomly started building. Yeah, uh, we were twenty and eighteen. We met like uh, some good New York Jews at NYU and NYU party, and uh, we we dated for for a little while and. 
she she had a blog. Um, it was called Girl with a Job, uh, where she had like a terrible fashion internship and would just like write about how much she hated everybody that she worked for. She got fired, and for accuracy purposes, she changed her blog name to Girl with No Job. Um, and she created an Instagram account. That was literally it. And she was posting on Instagram. I'm like, look, we've been dating for only a couple of months. Like, maybe we should talk a little instead of, like, it takes a long time usually for you to sit next to somebody and not speak for six hours. Like, that's marriage. Dating, you usually yeah. you talk. You talk a little. So I'm like, look, like, you know, this is great, but maybe we should get to know each other a little. Maybe get off your phone. She's like, or you could get on your phone, boy with no job. And that's how this whole thing happened. We both loved content and memes and creating and we stepped in shit and look at us now. Not rich enough to go to the Hamptons, but rich enough to live in Manhattan. <laughs> what a beautiful middle Isn't ground. It? <laughs> <laughs> you guys you guys should write a book called Not Rich Enough. Not rich. I mean, by the way. Isn't that everyone's book? You're never rich enough. There's always something else. Um, but Claudia's actually writing her first book right now that uh, comes out in January. I don't even have the title to spoil, but she's writing a book. She also has a podcast called The Morning Toast, which is pretty fucking epic. Um, and yeah, it's just... let Let's track this, right? So the Instagram blows up. How quickly to the Instagram blowing up, does she get rid of that that friggin' blog? Because that, she seems like a lot of work without a lot of payoff, these blogs. The, the blog was gone on day one. The blog died very <laughs> right. quickly. The blo blogs are like, um, they're like Tumblr pages. Like, you know, like they're fun for like a minute. You're like, oh, the cool kids are doing it. And then you, exactly. There's just no longevity in these blogs. You know, you know what the problem with blogs are? The problem with blogs is it's like water skiing, right? You know, some people enjoy it, but you can't assume most enjoy it. And it's the same thing. It's like, ah, I can imagine everyone likes a picture, but a blog, I don't know if anyone reads. I don't think people no, read. No, no. It's, I also love that you brought up water skiing. What a difficult sport. It's unbelievable. It seems so easy. Like, okay, I can ski. But the second you get in the water, it's just like, my goodness, this is terrible and so difficult. So, it's just so so much core, oh, the, core and hip strength. The core. That's the problem. I have no core. Um, what did you make the comparison to? Water skiing to? Blogs. blogs. I lost my train of thought, but it makes sense. Um, yeah, blogs are shitty writers writing things that you're supposed to read. If they were good enough writers, wouldn't they just be writers, not bloggers? Mm. Boom. Well said. I remember a, bl a blog or some online newspaper attacked Michael Rappaport and his response was like, yo, you ain't a fucking writer because you have Microsoft Word, B. <laughs> I fucking love that. That's the exact same way I feel about verified people on Twitter. Like, we, I get it. You can be verified on Twitter, if you report the news, though, that doesn't make you a newscaster. Just because Twitter is predominantly made for news, if you say something, it doesn't mean that you're like a writer for the New York Times. But that's what it makes it seem like. 
First of all, they're giving out blue check marks on Twitter like it was a flyer at a fucking rave. Okay. Yep. I don't know who these assholes are. Like, and I got to tell, they all have about fourteen hundred followers, and they were either a college athlete or they're from WKRC weather in fucking Dallas. And I gotta say, no shade, but I'm not interested. <laughs> no, and they're mean and opinionated. They're oh god. I don't know what's worse. What do you think is a worse platform for like hate? Twitter or Reddit? Actually, that was a terrible question. Obviously, Reddit. Reddit's disgusting. Is it? Why is Reddit disgusting? Oh, I mean, it's the best place ever to look for viral content. And you're like, oh, wow, I love this video of, uh, you know, like the guys that are now like doing the funeral dancing. I don't think it's new, but like that is like the, like the new meme. Have you seen that? No. Oh, my God. I have to send this to you. These guys. uh they dance with the coffin above their heads. And oh, it's, I, I have seen that. You, you I have. have. Yeah, okay, yeah. so you're just like yes. looking at like a, an, a lovely video of that on Reddit or maybe a meme that you found. And then it's just like fucking Third Reich, all Jews should burn, or like some racist shit. It's just twi- Reddit is like, it's filled with the best and worst people on planet Earth, all that have such insane opinions. Because there's no hierarchy on Reddit, right? It's just like, if people like your comments, great. There's no, like, unless I don't know Reddit at all, but uh, they're like the, I don't know. I just feel like everybody's on a level playing field and they feel like they can say whatever the fuck they want. You haven't had that experience with Reddit being gross or you just don't go on Reddit that often. What what I will first say to what you said earlier is this. Listen, no matter what, on the interweb, you are three clicks away from finding something that says all all Jews should burn. Yes. Like, yes. I feel like that sentiment is right around the corner, no matter where you go. Um, but I think uh, I found Reddit rather... Uh, what do they call Reddit? The front page of the internet. I I found it rather informative when I've needed it. I get really annoyed with Twitter. Um, I think the, the fear of, look, I think, and I don't know what your politics are, but I, I think to a certain extent that Twitter is a bad representation and solidifies what the right wants to say the left is, which is like a bunch of tyrannical off their rocker leftists who've gone way too far in the other direction. And it's like, no, actually, like the people on Twitter, by the way, left and right represent like 10 percent of the population. It's actually not that many people there. And I think it's bad when we use that as sort of an arbiter of how the society as a whole feels. Because I think all the people that are rather level-headed don't are either not on Twitter or don't really give a fuck. And they, they use Twitter merely to read shit. They're not actually posting. What do you think? Absolutely. And I love that call. We live in a microcosm. Like we, like when something blows up, we're like, oh my God, like that's so crazy. Meanwhile, 99.9% of people never heard about it and don't give a shit about it. Um, and yeah, right. so I, I agree. I don't like Twitter for that reason. I also don't like Twitter because it's like the, the center of cancel culture. Like people just like love canceling people on Twitter. Nobody gets canceled anywhere else. It's just like one random person on Twitter canceling. Um, and I'm not for cancel culture. I think that it's, of course, if you need to be canceled, whatever. But, um, yeah, Twitter is just, Instagram is the place. You're, you're a big YouTube guy also. YouTube's your, would you say that, which is your main platform, YouTube or Instagram? 
Listen, Ben, I'm a big YouTube guy because they give me money. I know. It's where the money is. What do you, what do you prefer? Um, you know, it, it's, uh, there's, a, there's a great quote um, about, and, and I forget who came up with it, but it's like the medium is the message, right? So I, it's hard to compare because YouTube could never have photos, but it's beautiful for exactly what it is, which is a great way to watch like short form uh, video content that's anywhere from five to 20 minutes. Like if I have a break in between work or I have 10 minutes to kill, I'm not turning on Netflix. I'm turning on YouTube because I know I'm going to get like a great six minute video. Um, but on the other side of it, I feel like Instagram is an incredible way for me to feel like I'm a part of someone's life, that I'm connected, that I'm knowing what's going on with either celebrities or the people that I'm actually friends with. And it's a great, it's a great marketplace. Like it, I'm more likely to buy shit off of Instagram than anywhere else. Agreed. I mean, also growing YouTube presence is fucking hard. I tried for like one week and then I was like, fuck this. I'm not doing this. Like there's no, I, I don't need this. Of course I need it. Who, who am I to say that I don't need it? Of course I need it, but I just couldn't do it. It was, so kudos to you. Kudos to you. Well, thank you. So what is it, what does it look like the business that you and Claudia have created as far as like, I mean, it's, it, I know that you do like a nine to five thing, which I think it's dope too. Cause you're like, fuck it. Why can't I have two income streams? But it's like, I mean, you guys have built something where you're doing huge ad campaigns. I mean, Claudia's doing sold out theaters. I mean, there, you guys have a really big imprint. Yeah. So, uh, to quickly touch on the nine to five, I run an influencer marketing company. So the same way that like that is, it's, it's just all, all day long. It's creating content and selling content, whether it is my, for myself or like for you or for, for any of the influencers or talent, et cetera. Um, Claudia has a separate podcast revenue. Um, she has her, she's a full touring comedian as of two years ago. Um, and yeah, is fucking selling out theaters like the beacon. Um, which, which is just nuts. Um, she actually has a comedy special coming out in June, which is even, even crazier. Um, but yeah, from a, from like an Instagram perspective, it's like brands that reach out that we like will work with like, uh, unless, unless you're like Adam and Eve, I don't know if you get these, this fucking dildo company reaches out every week. They're like, Ben, you want to advertise our dildos? I'm like, look, I want to use your dildos in the privacy of my own home. I don't want everybody knowing Fair. that I'm selling your dildos. It's, it's, it should be more discreet than that. Nice rate, though? Are they coming at you with something that makes no. sense? Or they no, they're uh, lowballing. I'm like, Ben, can you advertise my dildo for $1,500? I'm like, are you out of your mind? Really? I mean, fifteen hundred dollars is no small amount of money, but I get it. They're okay. the, the sex. If I if I, sex, if I offered you fifteen hundred dollars to advertise a dildo, what are you saying? No, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, because I have because I have a mother who's living. Uh, there you go. And thank God. <laughs> yes. Thank God to living mothers. God bless. Really, my my mom too. <laughs> Shout out Jewish mothers everywhere. <laughs> Oh my God. That's so, what's it like? And what about, you know, the one thing I've always felt relieved about 
um, when people ask if my wife is in the business is that uh, is that she's not right. She's a civilian. She's an artist. She's a creative person, but she works in like, you know, physical art installations and graphic art and whatnot. So what's it like having a spouse who's in a very similar business to you? Does that ever get annoying? No, it's awesome. It, I mean, we used to do some stuff together. I'm sure we'll do more together in the future. But we, we tried to focus on really separating our brands. Clearly, she was more successful at separating hers <laughs> than I was at separating <laughs> mine. Um, but I think, I'm, I think I'm catching up. But it's great. Like, it's... I don't know. There's, it's just always creative conversations. It's always, our, I mean, our life is memes. It's, it's video, it's creative, it's similar interests. Um, I can give her legitimate feedback on things that she won't take and will do whatever she wants. She can give me legitimate feedback right. on things that I will obviously implement because listen to your wives, married men, listen to your wives. But yeah, I, I mean, it's it's great. I, I love it. I really do. Do you find as you become more married, you talk less? Ooh, yes. And yes. Especially when not, you stop arguing. No, like there's like a point where you're like, no, that's like, I like this is what I want. And then you're like, you know what? That's really not going to get me very far. And so, yeah, you start to just get a little bit quieter to make sure that you're not ruffling any feathers. You know, it used to be a thing that you'd see in the movies or like at the mall on a Sunday, which was like the older dad half asleep in the massage chair outside of a foot action, you know? <laughs> Shout out foot action. <laughs> or a lid. And, foot action is from like 98. When was the last time you bought a pair of sneakers? Listen, foot action still exists. That's so funny. <laughs> oh man, shout out to Tower Records. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> it totally exists, bro. You you haven't been to a mall in years. You live in New York City. I'm at malls all the time. And you I'm see in foot actions all here. the time. You always see foot actions. Yeah, right next to Sam Goody. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, so, uh, you know, but I, I see it, look, I see it with my father-in-law who I revere um, because, I, you know, uh, this is not new information and my podcast listeners are probably tired of hearing it, but I didn't know my dad and thus I never really had like a really good example of something, you know, to model myself after. And looking at my father-in-law who is, you know, successful guy, father of four kids, I am in awe, especially with my Jewish tendencies where I want to criticize and comment on everything, how beautifully reserved and stoic he is in like some very annoying situations. That is, yeah. I mean, it's when men become men. It's the goal, right? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. All that I want to be is Tom Selleck. Just have that fat mustache and just be a man. It's like, I, I can't, I can't fucking smoke a cigar without an hour later needing to puke. Like, when do I just, when do my lungs just adjust to a nice hearty cigar? I could help you with that. Can you? Listen, I'm, I'm still recovering from the Ronin, but give my lungs another six months and I'm going to be, you know, puffing, uh, Cubanos at mm -hmm. the, you know, at the Havana room in Midtown. Mm -hmm. Love a good Havana With you, room. Ben. Yeah. I mean, look. I told you already, I can't see you. I can't do it. It's just, <laughs> we can do it over FaceTime, but this relationship, 
is over. Is it? <laughs> God, you drive a hard bargain. Yeah, this is it. You tried to sneak it in there. You're like, I'll like dangling the cigar in front of me. Come on, Ben. Like, yeah, no, I prefer to live. Um, but it's interesting. You and you and Claude have that in common. She she lost. I mean, not not fully in common, but she lost her father very young. So she also, mm. uh, yeah, the 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 no father thing. You guys can it's bond fun. over. Yeah, I mean, you can bond it, over it. It's so great because it's like you think you're past it, and then all of a sudden it comes up in a different way, and you're like, oh, there, there it is. It just it hurts, and it, it it's just a different kind of hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hear you. I mean, I can't comment. This is one of those times when I just stay quiet, as you mentioned. Look at you. You, you. What a beautiful sort of uh, example of, of being such a good partner. So what about what about um, kids? You think you're going to have some? I mean, that's sort of like the Jews. I mean, it's a Jewish necessity, no? Yeah, no. We're, we're going to be popping out some kitties. The thing is, Pro- uh, because my wife is very much in the industry and her career is only just starting, um, we need to wait until there's like a real lull. That being said, if we had known that quarantine was happening, I'm pretty sure that we would have had a child, like, right now. Um, it's pretty perfect. It, it's perfect. My sister-in-law is due in July. It's amazing. They just stay home, massage the belly, and then they're going to have a child. But they're not missing anything. Not that you're missing anything when you're pregnant. But I'm saying, of course, you know, you can't go out. You can't do these things. Whatever. Quarantine, unbelievable time to be pregnant. Good time to be pregnant, good time to be making babies. But if you, my wife has a friend who delivered like the other week and the hospital basically said to her husband, you cannot come in, you will not see this baby born, you can drop your wife off and pick her up in three days when she heals from the C-section because we, we won't have any fuckery here. And that seems fucking insane. That's That's tough. That is understandable of course but like if you're especially if it's your first kid it's like i mean i was in that hospital uh, they they've, they named a, a wing at cedar sinai after me I, I walked around so much wow that is always just talking about how rich you are offline you tell me that you have two airpods now you're talking about wings of hospitals god that is that how would be much nice. money do you have no i'm kidding listen if i could have like the josh peck eczema wing excellent kettering <laughs> do you have very dry skin how are your elbows it, they're not great ben okay they're not great you have good bows no yeah they're not is eczema a disease i'm not trying to sound uninformed i'm just saying i have crusty elbows do i have eczema it's not a disease it's an inconvenience it's an inconvenience i'm happy that you said that eczema is an inconvenience is there a difference between eczema and dandruff I don't the one they're they're similarly gross. Yeah, dandruff is fucking disgusting. That's why I use head and shoulders every day. You should see if you could sell that to head and shoulders. Maybe they'll like retroactively give you some money. I can hear the sound bite now. Dandruff is fucking gross. That's why I use head and shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but it's true. It's nasty. What about so I've been dying to ask what spurred on your um your hatred of, of, of Bill de Blasio, what, the mayor of New York City. Wow. Like, was it one incident? Wow. What a great question. 
Yes, I will <laughs> give you the laundry list that is always uh, top of mind. Number one, please. his name is William Wilhelm. Did you know that? No, but that sounds very German. Yes, he changed his name so that he could get a different vote. One. Two. He has been documented multiple times eating pizza with a fork and a knife. That's two. I get it. Three. I get that. He is a diehard <laughs> Boston Red Sox fan and has been spotted no. wearing Red Sox hats often and is the mayor of New York City. Is he from Boston? I don't know, and I don't care. Four. <laughs> he literally stood up on his fucking soapbox and said, if you elect me mayor, I will remove horse and carriages from Central Park. What did he do? What did he do, you ask? Not only did he not do that, but he let an art installation of decapitated horses be built next to where the horses are parked. So these poor horses need to carry these fat tourists all day long and then come back and look at a decapitated sculpture of their brother. And the city's covered in trash. Everything smells like urine. What else can I say? He decriminalized urination so that he could, when he was running for president for a minute, say that uh, crime in New York has gone down because he's no longer arresting for public urination. This is a compelling case, Ben. He was voted the worst mayor of all time by me. By, by a party of one. By a party of one. But really, no, we all hate him. It's pretty unbelievable. But clearly we don't all hate him because I think he's at the end of like his third term, which is insane. Um, but yeah. Like. That was long. Wow. I'm out, I'm out of breath. I'm like having hot flashes. That was pretty special. But what about if he ever came in contact with Bill, right? What if he ever wanted to have you? Let's say that he wanted to have you come down to the Gracie Mansion and have a powwow. Are you coming at him guns blazing like this upset? What a what an excellent, excellent point that you bring up. Uh, I forgot to mention that he's the first mayor in over a hundred years to live at Gracie Mansion so that he can rent out his home in Borough, not in Borough Park, in Park Slope for profit. Wow. But if he invited, well, me, it, if he invited me to Gracie Mansion, uh, I would go. Um, and I would tell him that he fucking sucks. I love this. What? A, well, listen, first of all, I, I can understand why Bloomberg didn't want to live in Gracie Mansion. It was probably a downgrade from the fucking $50 million <laughs> penthouse I'm sure he lives in in Midtown. He's so rich. It's so crazy. He's so rich. Mm, we were Bloomberg guys. We we were chatting when he was still in the running, and you and I both were feeling pretty Bloomberg like in in our bones. No, uh, yeah, I was I was all in. I mean, look, if a Jew runs, I also just I always trust a guy that's built or or a girl that's built a really solid business. I just feel like America needs to be run a bit like a business. And it seems like we don't have somebody right now that has any idea what it's like to run a legitimate business. And that's why I felt like uh, maybe a little bit of Bloomberg. Maybe. But nope. But, but that's that's a platform that Trump ran on, right? It was like, we got to get rid of old school politics and I build businesses. Now, granted, none of his businesses have really worked. No, they're all bankrupt. My favorite thing is you go to Atlantic City and you just see the, <laughs> the, the Trump. It's just all it's just bankrupt. 
It's just this the shell of the Taj Mahal. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and like, I, I try not to overly politicize the podcast, but it's something I said from the beginning, which was like, if those tenants were compelling to you, which is like, I can understand to a certain extent, everything you just said, which was what Trump ran on, which was like, I'm a businessman. I'm a disruption of the norm. Like, I obviously have built businesses. I'm not like your typical, you know, political sort of operator. Come with me if you want to live. Bloomberg has done all of that just way, way more and better. Way, 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 way more. Just the real version. Right. Exactly. right. And without being, again, not to politicize the podcast too much, but without being a moron. Well, he also, it, it was just to me, and, and granted, you'd think with all, I won't defend his, his and maybe there was more going on than, than I understood because I'm not as smart. Obviously, I'm not as smart as like the seventh richest man in the world. But like the way in which he, he sort of came into the race and handled it seemed idiotic because it was very clear like he was he had a beautiful balance of the business side and also worked in politics for 12 years really well yeah we learned very but none quickly of that, that he, we learned very quickly that he didn't know how to speak and that was a it's a it's a pretty important piece to being a politician is knowing how to write a good speech I, it's going to be interesting. It's all, I mean, as we come out of this pandy, it's going to be, I like it's going to be a fascinating. Pandy. Do you call it a pandy? I like that. Yeah, we're in a pandy. Yeah, we're in a pandy. All right. But yeah, it will be fascinating. So in the middle of this pandy, right, my wife and I, you know, we've got a kid at home, so we're chasing him all day and it's a, it's a pretty good distraction and it incentivizes us to be rather nice to each other because, other, you know, you don't want to fight in front of the kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what's it like? What's it like for you and your beautiful wife having no responsibilities, just having the two of you and an endless sort of supply of board games in this pandemic? Look, there's, there's a lot of time for, for arts and crafts, as they say. And I've been, uh, I've, I've turned into a, the shittier version of Weird Al. I don't know if you've seen my parodies. Have you seen my parodies? I have. Indeed, I have. They're incredible. They're life-changing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I've, been, I've been making parodies. I'm really enjoying them. I'm writing another parody. Um, I'm just going to keep doing that. That's really fun. I've been building some time-lapse Legos. I got to do more of that. Um, I've been trying to restructure what was a podcast that I once had that I killed that I'm now relaunching as something totally different. Um, I have a lot of time on my hands and we're just, we're using it to our advantage. We're never going to have time like this. Like Claudia is doing the same thing, except she does her show and then she gets in bed for seven hours and watches TV. One Tree Hill. We were watching One Tree Hill for a bit. Uh, we just watched, you know, too, have you seen Too Hot to Handle? It's Netflix won't let me get away from it when I go into Netflix. It's like every suggested video, but I no, I haven't watched oh, it yet. Oh my God, you need to watch this show. Let me just give you, do you know the premise? I don't, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to hate it. No, no, you're not. I'll tell you. They invite all of these objectively hot people. Some are hot, some are whatever. Look, we could have been on that show and we could have been stars. That's all I'm saying. They invite these oh, people. Oh, I have no doubt. And they're so, they, this is them talking. They're so incredibly horny. 
like the horniest people on the planet. They get there and they're just like, oh, I can't wait to fuck you. Oh, bro, I can't wait to fuck you. And it's insane. And then all of a sudden, they're told that there's a $100,000 prize if they don't have sex or make out with each other for the entire four weeks. And every time that they make out or have sex, they lose money. Mm. It's very interesting. If you're looking for some, it's bad TV, of course. It's bad. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, I think what we've learned from Love Island and just all of the newest sort of like dating love reality shows is that we love to see um, British people fucking. (laughs) It just. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? I don't know. Somebody needs to. There needs to be a surgery that makes your voice British. Like imagine like that's just as hot to some people as like a nice boob job is like a. Nice accent. Can you imagine that? You just like quick switch of the vocal cords and all of a sudden you're British. Listen, I'm a solid seven, but if I had a South African accent, I'm borderline eight and a half. You are. You really are. Yeah. At least. At least. I think you're- South African on you. That's a good one. Actually, South African is not the most romantic of accents, but it's got a nice- It's mysterious. It's just got like an- They're like, where are you from, Josh? That's all you need. Yeah. They're like, are you British or do you know Elon Musk? Mm-hmm. Elon. Do you know Elon Musk? I don't, but I wish I did. I'm a big Elon guy. We were we were at a party that he was at and I was like next to him and that was like pretty crazy. I was like, wow, that's Elon Musk. But, you know, should have said hi. It's a, it's a regret I have. I don't really know what would have happened from that. He followed me on Instagram when he had an Instagram, but the trolls got to him, so he deleted it. Yeah, I, I have a friend who was sort of friends with someone that he was dating and said he would have some pretty insane parties where they would confiscate your phone on the way in and there would be a theme and there would be, you know, beverages and substances and very attractive people. And just it just sounds like a fabulous Wednesday night. Sounds awesome. Give me some of that. <laughs> what do you think of the other meme accounts? I mean, I'm sure you don't want to publicly talk shade, but uh, is there any sort of contention amongst meme accounts on Instagram? <sighs> so no, there isn't. Um, a lot of a lot of memers I like. A lot of memers, I got to be honest with you, are pretty pretty strange. Like there are the there's the difference between a a memer that's also a personality and comes out, and then just like. That guy, you've, you've never seen his face or her face. There's no captions. They're just aggregators. Um, those guys are like a little bit strange. But in general, the meme community, incredibly wholesome, picks each other up. It's a great, great group of guys and gals. Funny enough, everyone's Jewish. Everyone. Interesting. I could see that. You think of a top meme account? They're Jewish. Well, I think we should, the last thing we should talk about is, is what's really the beautiful thing that's, that's truly come out of this quarantine, which is that you're intermittent fasting now and, and on an incredible health journey. I am. The, the incredible health journey is, it's, it's, getting, it's getting harder and harder. I was thinking to myself, you know, if I eat one more fucking omelet, I can't eat any more omelets. There really isn't an end to that sentence. It's just, if I eat one more omelet, I'm, I'm going to be very sad. They've become very unappetizing to me at this stage. 
but I listen, I don't want to take full credit, but I'm definitely I'm going to take partial credit for this whole intermittent fasting new wave experience in your life. No, you, you, you can take full credit. We, we discussed intermittent fasting. I tried it. I, I do enjoy it. And I do find that I'm less hungry uh, than I once was. I'm certainly eating less. Um, I tried to work out once last Thursday. Um, my friend, now again, not this is like your John Stamos. He's, he's a bit of a baseball player, you know. His name is Pete Alonzo and he plays for the Mets. And he, he took me through a workout tutorial. We were on FaceTime and he's like, all right, Ben, I'm going to need you to do 35 dips. And I did 35 dips and I swear on my life, I could not lift my arm literally to take a phone call for four days. You did 35 dips having not worked out in a long time? It's five months. Where were you doing dips on chairs? I was doing dips on the railing of my balcony. First of all, dangerous. In retrospect, very. <laughs> can, can you imagine? Boy with no job, 260 pounds, plummets to his death doing dips. That is. <laughs> what a headline. That is oh, crazy. So sad. Yeah, but yeah, um, I, so much pain. I can't even tell you. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, I, I wish you so much luck. And I know and I believe that you will have exactly whatever you want to have come out of this. Thank you, Boychuk. I really, I, I appreciate that sentiment. I do. Final question on the Curious Podcast. I ask every guest this. What are your one or two Ben commandments? Truths that you have discovered that you'd want to impress upon someone else. Wow, the Ben commandments. That's right. We're, we're, <sighs> if you notice the loop, we're going all the way back to the Old Testament. Yes, it gets very deep. I have to... I have to think. Um, I guess the first one, it's a little lame. But truly, whenever one door closes, another one opens. It seems quite, and it's, it's something that's been said for a long time, but it really is darkest before there's, what is darkest before the dawn? Is that what it is? Before the Probably. light? Something well, like darkest, that. Darkest it's true. Dusk, when, dawn, when, you're, when you're in these sad moments, things get really great. Much like this pandemic. We were talking about this. There are those doomsday people. You know, we're just living our lives. It's a little dark. But we're going to come out of this and it's going to be fucking awesome. The second most important Ben commandment is that everyone, and I mean everyone, is incredibly stupid. Everyone. Everyone that you're going to come across, except for those that you call your close friends, are in incredible dummies and don't get frustrated it just is what it is we're surrounded by dumb people and we're privileged to not be dumb well put where's the first restaurant you're going to go to when quarantine's lifted sushi ishikawa i-s-h-a-k-a-w-a small omakase <laughs> spot 12 seats my goodness number two truffle importer Two truffle importer in New York behind John George. And he has 12 seats. Chef Dom. What a legend. Key to season. I love you, Boichi. Thank you, man. Love you too. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Go follow him, boy with no job. Aight. Peace.
Wow, come on, right? Judaism, social media, Corona, it's a beautiful life. <laughs> um, I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Ben, for doing the pod. Go follow him at Boy With No Job. And, uh, and we're going to record his podcast in a couple weeks. So I'll make sure you guys know about that when it is actually a true live thing. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.